Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The EFL and Below Show with Football Monk Cave. Hello, welcome back to the EFL and Below Show in association with the Football Monk Cave. Finally, the season is over. 2018-19 is done and dusted. We know who's up. We know who's down, but there's some things we still don't know. Of course, sadly, we're still talking about these off-the-field issues. As always, joining me for one final hurrah for this season, we've got Ian Foran from the Football Man Cave. Hello, Ian. Hello, Neil. I feel like I need a, a party popper. <laughs> well, you're so glad that it's over. You can't wait for it to be over. I know, what a oh, season. It's been amazing. It's been so turbulent, hasn't it? Aaron Benson, also here from the Football Man Cave. Up and down is a little bit of an understatement, I think. Yeah, up and down, up and down, round and round, I think. Yeah. I've got I've got a few party poppers for after the show here. Have you? Yeah, just to please you. Good. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Well, <laughs> we've got so much to talk about. We've got so many clubs to discuss. And let's start in the thick of it with something which is still very topical now, even though their promotion from League Two has already been decided. We knew that a few weeks ago, towards the back end of the season, that Berry Football Club will be playing in League One next season, which is brilliant for them. And they deserve it. Let's just focus on the field for a moment before we take a look at all the off-field issues. Berry Football Club under Ryan Lowe this season, the way they've played, the style of football, they deserve it, don't they, Aaron? They've been absolutely magnificent on the pitch. Through all the adversity, they deserve that accolade of promotion. Yeah, they deserve it, especially coming through the marathon of what the Football League is. 46 games, go through all the seasons, you know, and the sun and the rain... And the nights, the big Tuesday nights, the Christmas and New Year period, the big Easter period that we have, and to come through. And it was a gradual improvement that we saw with Berry. First few months of the season, home form was fantastic. We really got to, we really got glimpses of just how good they could be under Ryan Lowe. There was the big 4-0 win against Grimsby, win against Notts County. Uh, there was a first away win against I think, Swindon Town and Colchester. They got a couple of wins in September away. And, you know, the idea that they could even draw away from home was uh, was unthinkable. So that uh, really set them off for the season. And obviously, it came into 2019. The big one was the 4-3 win over MK Dons. I mm. called that a long, long time ago. The a moments win. That was the where they real, really, really laid the marker down. Obviously, we're, we'll come on to that in a minute. There, were, there are some very stormy clouds over the football club. 
concerning uh, one, too, one too many figures, sadly one big, big figure. But regards to what was went on on the pitch, there was a real togetherness. I think they could play in many ways, Barry. It wasn't just the great football. There was a lot of... Uh, digging in, you know, knuckling down to get the win. Defensively, there were a few errors. I think mm. defensively isn't uh, isn't with the current squad. You know that can still be improved. There were times when they were conceding goals that I, games I went to see, thinking you know in League One that chance would have gone in, that player might have converted that. We saw it against Portsmouth, mm. for example. But there was a great spirit that they showed. Uh, one nil down to get the wins, uh, to get the three points to be promoted. There was the three. I'm just running through the season now. Three defeats, obviously, when all the when the launch of all the um, off the field trouble came into play, and that was the real test. Was would they buckle? Would they yeah. would they bottle it? As appears to be the new phrase for teams who struggle, <laughs> but they didn't, and it all ended with that point at Tranmere, the final week of the season, and the fans obviously loved it with. Ryan Lowe, who was like their hero, become mm. their hero from a player mm. and to a manager and with the new three at the back system and it all worked out a treat and it was so well deserved, yeah, it really was. Absolutely and and how much extra credit do the players deserve in your eyes Ian because not only have they performed on the pitch playing a style of football which many people say oh you can't get out of League 2 playing attractive football, well Berry did and they did it well yeah. but also those players who haven't been paid since what we believe is a, a fair few months some people suggesting that it's been February since the last time they've been paid. Other reports suggest differently. The players have issued a statement against the chairman, which we'll come on to in a second. But those players have really had to dig in and they've had to show some serious spirit to get promoted against all the odds in terms of the fact that off the field, things have been so terrible for them. Yeah, you could really see that sort of grit and determination. Like Aaron said, when the news come out, obviously what was going off on off the field, the players could have gone one or two ways, obviously. The easier option, I think, would have just been to not chuck the towel in, but let, obviously, the, the stress of not being paid, obviously, family life and going to work and, and not being paid for your job affect them. But I think what they've done is shown themselves mentally strong. And and as a group, obviously, they've grown closer together. Even with the fans as well, you can see a, a massive difference in Berry um, since, since sort of February because the fans and the players and the staff are like a, all as one. And you can see... Even though obviously it's absolutely terrible what's gone on for the for the club, it's probably one of the best things that's happened because that club is so strong now. Obviously, you've got one guy who's um, a bleep word, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you sort of see that staff player um, f- fan in unison, and it's so strong. And I think even if they're going to League One and next season's an absolute write off, I don't think that bond that they've they've all created. I think that could take them. Mm. Quite a bit, do you know what I mean? Obviously, you got to have your playing staff, you got to have your manager there anyway. But I mean, that sort of strong force going forward could could be like a twelfth man. Yeah, I mean, are those players going to stay though? With the club in such financial disarray, I mean, is the manager going to stay playing a way of uh, you know playing a style of football which was so uh, appreciated this season from plenty of people across the football league? I mean, is is Ryan Lowe going to stay and are Barry going to hold on to their best players in the situation they find themselves in? So I went to the fans forum last night. Um, about 300 people uh, at a small social club in Whitefield. It was standing room only, you know, dead packed. It was pretty nice day yesterday, so it was very, very warm. Anyway, and leading on to the um, the main issues we discussed, of course, is Ryan staying, you know, is Lowe staying? You know, all of that was discussed. About 70% of the players want to stay and Ryan Lowe has said he will stay leading on to next week. So if he can get 
They've said they will stay. Would you stay if you, you weren't getting paid? I think because of Ryan, they will stay because he's so loyal. But they're not getting paid, Aaron. I think. I think for me, I would have to see it out until the nineteenth of June. That's I'd have to see it out until D Day, and then make a decision from there. Like I wouldn't like to jump ship and then be able to get into League One and, and move forward. If following on from the nineteenth of June and nothing happens, then it'd be like right, I, I'm off. Like not taking any more of it, but. For me, I'd have to sort of see that out mm. a little bit and just sort of just hang back and then make not make make decisions, but already have things set up that if it all goes, Pete Tong. Nineteenth of June is the day that Barry returned to court. Yeah, they've been set in the high court. Yeah, they can't go back to court in the sense that it's impractical, and the players will have to go because on the twentieth of June the fixtures for the new season will be released. And the EFL do not want a situation where... They do not know if Barry's going to be a club. No, yeah. when they do the fixtures, you know, Bradford away on Boxing... I know Bradford in League 2 now, but, you know, Scunthorpe away on Boxing Day. But then Barry go, so what do you do? So they can't... The players will have to find another club after that day. So the 19th of June is D-Day, really, in the sense yeah. that they have the player, there has to be a club mm. on the 20th of June when the fixtures are released. Therefore... On the 19th, therefore, when Berry go back to court, they have to have good news and there has to be another owner. Yeah. So where I'm looking at it would be, from what I've heard, would be that Ryan Lowe will stay with the majority of players and wants to stay because he's a loyal man to Berry. Having said that, the club, Dale, has told Lowe that if he wants to go to Plymouth, has been reported, or the latest update was if he can go to Tranmere Rovers, because that's a club that's been linked. He can go. So if Ryan Lowe and the players want to go, they can go. Scott Burgess has gone to join Port Vale, so they could follow Burgess out of the club to find, obviously, to um, head to pastures new, or they can stay and hold on, which I think they will do uh, till the dying day. Lowe was on the um, Sky Sports punditry Mm -hmm. for the EFL uh, playoff final Newport and Tranmere Rovers and what was discussed on there from what I've heard from what he said he doesn't speak to the chairman anymore right and what there's not there's no dialogue. relationship there's no. very there's the dialogue between Dale and the club um is very little as well so it's but Ryan Lowe is a very low man I don't think any other manager would have stayed and because uh Matt McCarthy the director told everybody there last night that because Lowe is so loyal and the uh, the players, because the players like Lowe so much, they will stay because of Lowe and Stephen Schumacher. Okay. But as you said, will they stay after the 19th of June? If They can't stay after the 19th of June because there will be no club. Really sad, by the way, yeah. that the offices at Gig Lane have been closed as well. Mm. I mean, that that is a, a damning sign for some. But for others, it's maybe a sign of, of pragmatism because to save money... You don't really want to be operational in the summer months when yeah. nothing really happens. I mean, you're talking about player registrations and things like that. Barry aren't going to be signing any players. Let's just put it that way. Was there any news coming out of the fans forum about potential takeovers, potential new owners of Berry? We know about Dale saying that he wants to sell the club. The players issuing a letter to the chairman saying they want him out of the club. What was the vibes coming from the fans forum about a potential new owner? Okay, so Forever Berry have said they launched a bid last night. And that's the supporters group, isn't that it? That is the supporters yeah. group. Forever Berry have, have launched a bid. I'll uh, you put that in inverted commas. It's very doubtful they will buy the club, but at least it's something. There was a big round of applause when uh, Dave Giffard, the um, chairman of that, announced, if you like, that he was going to make a bid to buy the club. 
there's definitely with Forever Berry, from what I've read on Twitter today, what I've seen, there's been a web, big website launch, the real, real push for members, and because they want as many people with uh, with Berry on board, they want as many. If you're a Berry fan and you're not with Forever Berry, why aren't you with Forever yeah. Berry? There was comments of there's about nationally, not round in the local area, but nationally there's about nine thousand fan base of Berry. That's what they think, but. There's only 700 members, so, you know, mm. why have we got that uh, divide where... Boost seven, the membership. Yeah, boost the membership, and also today, Matt McCarthy. So that was the uh, the answer to your question, but there are rumours of other bids. I've heard two, three, up to five potential bids, but Dale will only sell to the right man. Well, he's not got long to do it. And he's not got long to do it, and will he want to do it? Will he want to... Um, He's got to do it. Otherwise, you know, the sad news is Berry will be liquidated. One option that was discussed was administration. There's a few fans who were saying, what's 12 points for the long-term future of the club? So say like Bolton will start on minus 12 in League One. Yep. What's 12 points? Well, if yeah. you're in League Two, it could have been disastrous because obviously if you're going League, down yeah. to National yeah. League, it's a real chasm that you, you struggle to get out of. You've got the safety net of, of League One, obviously. So interesting viewpoint. We're going to have to quickly move on. But Barry, a successful season on the field, off the field, not so much. Now then, on to Wigan Athletic, who stayed in the championship. Paul Cook, there are a few questions over whether he was the right man for the job when Wigan were down there battling for survival in the second tier. I think Paul Cook's done a great job to keep Wigan up. I'm obviously fond of him as a Portsmouth fan. There were a few Wigan fans who were pretty unhappy with him and said that he should have got the sack, but, you know, the faith has been repaid from the owners of Wigan Athletic and Paul Cook's kept them in the championship. Is that a successful season you'd say I'd, I'd say it probably it probably was yeah and next season is where they need to really make a significant improvement what do you think here? that's it they've always got promoted you look at it they're in championship next season so in my eyes it's success because you're in that championship for a second season now it's a case of consolidate make yourself a championship side start to build um, and then start moving up the league so and I think as well with Wigan obviously that last what was it, five, six weeks, they sort of showed what they could do. Do you know what I mean? They were playing against the likes of Leeds and Norwich and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and they've put in decent performances. They beat Leeds, they drew against Norwich. So they've got that capability, and they need to bring that end-of-season form into the beginning of the new season. And I think mm-hmm. if they start off right, I think I know it's, it's not adventurous, but a mid-table team, and, and you're sweet, and then like I say, you just build yourself up to play off-season after, and Work yourself up instead of, of thinking, oh, we'll, we'll mm. just scrape relegation. Yeah, but you're in championships, so you'd rather be there than, yeah. than be in League One again, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, well, Paul Cook made some interesting short-term signings. I mean, there were, there are some players at Wigan Athletic who have been released who would have been on significant wages. I'm talking James Vaughan, who's been released. McManaman's been released. Jonas Olsen, who's an experienced defender. He wouldn't have been cheap. He's been released. So... They have made some interesting decisions in terms of their retained list at the end of the season, which may give them a bit more scope to perhaps make more wise decisions when it comes to recruiting players for next season. Yeah, I definitely think there'll be a want to uh, maybe lower the age group of the squad. You've just mentioned players who are perhaps a bit older there. Mm. So maybe there's the idea. I think Wigan have definitely got to the look to the future. It's like a project, I would call it. They're in this position now and they will want to... I think it's probably, to, if they are to get out of the championship, which is such a very difficult ask, probably one of the toughest tasks in football, it's not going to be done immediately, I would say. It's probably a two, three-year project. So my answer to that would be probably to bring in players of that 21, 22-year age gap and agree. then work together. And and the idea is you've got to keep Paul Cook there 
that couldn't happen had they been at League One because you're back mm. at base camp, aren't you? Well, With the idea you've still got to get out of League One to be yeah, back sure. in the Championship. So the idea that they stayed up was very was huge. Obviously, they got that big win against Leeds on Good Friday or then weeks ago. There was that big win against Preston and they had that real good end to the season, which came from nowhere, really, because they were mm. slipping down towards that relegation zone. But, um, no, they've definitely showed us a big fighting spirit there to stay up and they've got to hope to continue that into next season with Paul Cook there. He's mm. obviously kept them in and uh, yeah, they got were promoted, promoted from League yeah. One, sorry. They won the league, didn't they, under Absolutely. Paul Cook? And he's, he's got a tendency to go for those more experienced players. I mean, Gary Roberts is, I think, 35 now. He's still there, got another year left on his contract. I think he signed an extension. But their best players have been their younger players this season, Ian, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. look and think... The lad on loan from Chelsea, who is it, Reese James, I think. James, yeah. He's been exceptional yeah. for them. So they were players player, weren't they? Fans fans player it, yeah. So I think that speaks to absolute volumes. But what I did notice on that retained list is they've um, offered a number of scholars professional contracts, I mm. think it's about eight or nine. Obviously they've let a load of over thirties go. And you can sort of maybe see in a little bit that they like you say, trying to lower that age gap. Um average age down to Less than maybe twenty nine thirty, but that's mm. the way to go. Obviously, for a, a team like Wigan, bring your bring your youth through. Obviously, hopefully to try and sell them on, create a bit of money, and then you can invest in, in that bid to get up to the Premier League. That was my point, really. Gary Roberts of thirty five years old, he's not going to be there for three more years. It's a short term, man. Isn't he? He's like mm. a six month guy mm. that you want in at the club. Bit of experience as they were struggling um, to stay in the Championship in that real relegation dogfight. So the players like to. Reese James, that type of player, they'll want them for the future. Maybe, you know, give them experience in the championship, getting them played week in, week out, as opposed to sitting on the bench at Chelsea, you know, doing nothing. So that definitely feel as though for Wigan, as I said before, a project will try and have to be built, if you like, over a few years, because the end goal will be, God, even if they got a season back in the Premier League, it would be quite incredible. But um, I think Wigan are at par now, I think. Yeah. I think maybe they're maybe a bit over par by scrapping in the championship to survive. I think they probably mm. really next season need to be looking at mid-table. Then there's a playoff push the year after, you know, building it like that. But I do think whatever happens, Paul Cook's got to be an essential part. So are we all in agreement that next season's successful season for Wigan would be to finish mid-table? And if, if they can get into the top top half of the table, that would be a, a good effort from them. Yeah. I think it, I think it'd be perfect for him. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'd, I'd agree with that. Okay, then let's have a little bit of fun now because we've done a fair few of these podcasts over the season and Aaron seems to have a robotic memory where he can remember everything that everyone's said. <laughs> um, and actually, we're going to have a bit of a laugh now. We're going to go back, all the way back, to the 25th of January where we were talking about Paul Scholes taking over the Oldham job where we asked, will Paul Scholes be a good manager for Oldham Athletic? Here's what we said. Paul Scholes, not a natural-born manager, in my opinion, but he could potentially be the new Oldham boss. Now, if you're a Latics fan, that's pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? Yeah, 100% it is. It is, and it seems to be the season that, like, boiled club heroes as such and people, like, aligned to clubs are going to the clubs. Solskjaer, Ryan Lowe, Scholes, they could follow suit, and it's worked. It's worked on two instances. I don't agree with you there, Niall. I think he is. You think he's, I do you think, think he... he is, definitely. I just, you see, like, I read something about Frank Lampard. He was talking about, you know, being at Derby, just going out there, innit? and Steven Gerrard as well. And I think Paul Scholes is part of that. Just think the way he talks, and, you know, he's been in the BT Sports studio for a few years, and obviously he's talked a good game. And I think being at Oldham, 
I think it could be a match made in heaven for him. I really do. Yeah. I, I can't find any negative for him not going. I, I, I guess my point there was that Scalzi was always a very quiet player. He never made a fuss. So even when he made a return, he went to Sports Direct mm. and spent 40 quid on a pair of boots when he made his comeback playing at Old Trafford. Even on telly when he became a pundit, that surprised me. He is a little bit outspoken, but even speaking the other day, he said he didn't really enjoy the telly stuff that much. I just wonder how he'd be like as a man-manager, Aaron, I guess. That was my point. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. But when you think of Scholes, he's worked under probably the best manager that's ever been in Alex Ferguson. And think of what uh, the skills that he can pass down to these Oldham players that he might be working with. So if you're an Oldham midfielder and you're wanting to improve your game, there's probably no one better than Paul Scholes. OK, so then, that's what we said regarding Paul Scholes being a good manager for Oldham. Ooh, well, that turned out rather strangely. 31 days he lasted in the role at Boundary Park. There's been issues regarding the owner... There's been all sorts of problems at Oldham this season. It seems to be a, a theme running through Greater Manchester, doesn't it, yeah. in the EFL? What's going on? What's know. going on? I said this to someone the other day. I, um, I had a chat with someone and I said, the Greater Manchester clubs, even obviously extending to Macclesfield, is like... It's unbelievable. It's, yeah, it's crazy to sort of see. All of a sudden, it's just bam, bam, bang, and they all seem to be absolutely caving in. And it's riddled with some yeah. sort of problems, aren't they? Anyway, back to the point about Paul Scholes at Oldham. You felt that, that Paul Scholes, Aaron, was was cut out for management. I didn't personally think he was. I mean, what did we learn from that 31 days? I mean, who, who's kind of coming out with the three points in this one? <laughs> <laughs> I think we can maybe look at this in a few ways. And the anti-Scholes argument that you put out that he's not a great manager, results would show that because when Pete Wilde came back to the club, you know, there was a late charge for the playoffs that ended. There was a defeat against Exeter that mm. killed it off and they had a big a draw against Swindon, which was at home. Two points were dropped there. So there was definitely a charge for the playoffs under under Wilde and there was the win against Fulham back in January in the FA Cup, which mm. was giant killing moment of the FA Cup for this season. But uh, on the other hand, uh, Paul's goals, I think being a Holden manager is probably one of the toughest jobs in the Football League because they have had so many managers, so many different managers, and none of them can work. I mean, I've heard Lee Clark potentially going in, Sol Campbell could go in and come and say, is he the right man or the wrong man for the job? I don't think anyone knows no. what the, who the right man is to take over. I mean, why, why would to... you take that job? When someone like Pete Wilde, who loves that club... Is being not forced out, but is feeling within himself that he doesn't want to be a part of it anymore. What does that tell you about the hierarchy at Oldham Athletic? Because Pete Wilde did that job as as basically a, a coach with very little experience in terms of first team management. Took on that job, did an amazing job, got the job on a on a short term basis. Then Paul Scholes came in, and then Wilde came back, and now he's he's quit the club altogether. So what does that tell you about this hierarchy at Oldham Athletic? That someone as genuine and someone who cares about the club as much as Pete Wilde has decided to pack it in? Um, I think working with um, the owner of Oldham Athletic is virtually impossible unless you agree with him or you're like an ambassador or, you know, a friend of the owner. It's, you can't or a work, puppet on a string. Or a puppet oh, yeah. on a string. You can't work with them. And Paul Scholes is not a puppet on a string at the end of the day. He's an old man and he's, had a, he's his own man and mm. he's had such an incredible, successful playing career. And for him, you know, the position he is in, the way he left, I completely agree with you now. It was probably the wrong way to leave. Only after 31 days, the results mm. don't don't paint a very good picture. They're great start against Yeovil, petered off ridiculously after that. 
So the results would show that he probably thought, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. My argument was, was the situation when he came into the club so much different to when he left? Probably not. But he's come out in a big interview with BT Sport and said, I didn't know the full scale of the problems. We know that the issues were so much bigger than uh, he thought or his staff thought coming into the club. And the job was probably too big for him. But then again, is the job too big for every player? Every manager, sorry, at Oldham. Yeah, it seems it, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, obviously, I'd say, I, don't, I think um, the chairman of Oldham put a, an, a statement out the other day. It was like a vision of the club and stuff like that. And reading between the lines, it was the basis of, I'll pick the players and, and I'll just have someone to put them in formation. Basically, it's it's something as simple as that. And that's just not how to run a football club. It's You're ludicrous. a chairman. Run it as a chairman does. You have a manager there to manage the club. So let him do that. Like He's not going to get on the pitch and start playing up front as he start banging goals in, mm. the chairman. So you, you need to... And this is, again you need to have that structure of a proper club and there's just too many clubs and too many owners coming in just they don't feel like it's football manager yeah, yeah. put a cheat code in and just, just fire away yeah it's it's really weird I mean that's just one final one on Paul Scholes before we talk about his other venture Salford City do you think we'll see him back in management again no I don't either no no, no I think if he'd have gone into management you know there'd be rumours now of going to another club and there seems to be nothing I that was my big question, who's to blame? Um, because if he thought he was that good of a manager, he'd have gone to another club. I mean, was he lied to by the owner? But you know, Did the owner say to him, I'm not going to get involved in team affairs? And Paul Scholes believed him. Was it naive of Paul Scholes? This is a man who's experienced everything in the game. He's been to the World Cup with England. He's won the Champions League twice. You'd think someone like Paul Scholes would have trusted the owner enough to think, right, OK, well, he's going to leave me to it. What made Paul Scholes think that that was going to happen when he's seen all the evidence before? You know, there's bodies strewn everywhere. You're talking casualties of, of Oldham Athletic in terms of in that managerial hot seat. I mean, what, why did Paul Scholes think that all of a sudden that the owner was going to change his ways? Maybe because he thought it was... Paul's goals, so it'd be like you afford me a bit more respect than the people before me. Like Maybe. and like I'm a bit more mm. these are my cards on the table and this is how it's gonna go. And obviously mm. he's yeah. then found out rather fast. It doesn't matter who you are, basically. I think naive's probably the right word to say for him. I don't believe that he hasn't got good contacts within the club to tell him of the situation but he obviously thought he could sort it out so I agree with you both there yeah it's hard to stop uh, the owner whatsapping some of the players isn't it by the sounds <laughs> yeah. by the sounds of what went on over at Oldham anyway that's uh, a little roundup on Oldham for this season now let's take a look at Salford City Paul Scholes of course has a 10% stake in the club this season for Salford we've also seen David Beckham take a 10% share in the football club did you see him in that Man United Legends game yeah a lot of people saying he could get into Manchester United starting 11 100% <laughs> he's still, still pinging <laughs> balls into the box uh, but let's talk about Salford City there was a chat that we had in one of the previous podcasts back on the 2nd of May where we were asking will Salford be promoted here is what we had to say I'll go in with maybe a slightly harsh tone here. Are Salford bottle jobs? Do they crack under pressure? For me, what, looking from the outside at Salford this season, I've seen them play some fantastic football, score some great goals, and they deserve to be second position in the National League because they've earned that right. But when the pressure is on, like for instance against Wrexham, a big team at the top, uh, there was two teams at the top end of the National League at the time, they came unstuck. They needed to beat Hartlepool United, they cracked under pressure and they lost 3-2. Leighton Orient didn't win, did they? They drew. So Salford could have gone up had they got the result. So are Graham Alexander's side perhaps 
cracking under the pressure slightly. I mean, bottle jobs might be a little bit harsh, but yeah. National League is a, is a completely big step up to National League North and um, and where they've been, and they've been the big fish in a, in a in a small pond for many a season, obviously since the Class of '92 took over. Mm. To even be in contention to be promoted in the first season at National League is a massive achievement. Absolutely, and I think if they don't go up. They put it down to experience. They should go up because obviously the team they've got, and the manager they've got, blah blah blah, and the investment. But yeah, I won't. I won't put it down to cracking. I think it's just just new ground. Yeah, is what I'd put it down to. Will they go up? Yeah. Will they go up, Aaron? Yeah. I would put money on Salford going up. I think we all pretty much uh, agreed that that Salford would be promoted. I was slightly sceptical, thinking that. They might have bottled it perhaps in the playoffs or if they bottled automatic promotion. I mean, use the word bottled. They missed out on automatic promotion. And yeah. the way they missed out on it was obviously quite disappointing. So getting yourself back up for the playoffs is, is hard to do. But they did it. They went to Wembley and they got promoted, which was the goal. From the position they are in, to get promoted was, was, a, was a great effort. The first time of asking in the National League. I mean, you've got to give a massive thumbs up to them. What, what an achievement for them. Yeah. I mean, I've read as well that somebody said basically if they hadn't got promoted this season it would have been a wasted season with the projection and the money that they've that they're going on you heard Gary Neville say I think they're three seasons four seasons above yeah ahead of their plans it's crazy like honestly I can see them in the championship within five years but I don't think I don't think they'll go any further than championship I'll be honest but I think they'll get out of league two within a couple of seasons and then I think that's when they're going to start sticking a little bit to be honest but yeah, what they've done is just unreal. It's unbelievable. Neville said that they want to become a stable League Two club very quickly, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Within a couple of seasons, then they'd make that big progression. Avoiding relegation for them next season would be a massive success, yeah. I think. And I think they will. I think they'll finish about 12th or 13th because you're going to get players who are going to go there. Well, if you look at the uh, the statistics over the years, very rarely does a club come up from the National League and get relegated straight back down. I can't think of any in the last few seasons that have done that. If anything, sometimes you can go the other way. Get back to back Look what happened to Bristol Rovers. They got relegated out of the Football League. Devastating for a, for a big Football League established club like Bristol Rovers. And then for them to come back up to League Two, that first season back up, they ended up getting promoted in third place. Back up into League One and they've been there ever since. And that was a few years ago now. So there are possibilities. But clubs coming up from the National League very, very rarely get immediately relegated back down again. Yeah, look at the example of Tranmere, you know, what they're doing now. They're in League Two next League One next season, sorry. So I definitely feel as though the momentum is with Salford, the wind is in their favour. I think it's just a question of where when does the momentum stop? Hmm. But even if they say they finish twelfth next season or they finish just outside the plus, which could happen, or even if they lose in the playoffs in twelve months' time, the momentum hasn't really stopped because they're still making great progress. It's just a question of when when will the momentum stop, as I've just said? And I think that could only come from from relegation. I still think the idea that they can just get promoted every single season, I still feel as though that would be unrealistic. Yeah, I think as well with Salford coming up, they're like an unknown entity as such. A lot of teams, obviously, that go into National League eventually come back up type thing, and, and, and you kind of know what you're dealing with. But with Salford, nobody really knows. Nobody's really played them. Obviously, you've seen them on telly, they have scouts out there, but... They're coming up, it's like when you have a, a new team coming into the Premier League, you don't really know, like a Huddersfield or, a, I don't know, like a Brighton or something, and they take the, the league by a bit of surprise, don't they, because they're not used to it. So maybe, I, I do think they'll finish mid-table, but I think they're going to have a better run than I think most people will, will credit them 
already. E- yeah, even though a lot of people say Graham Alexander has got, you know, everything, he's got the world at his hands, Adam Rooney signing him on, you know, big big wages, and he's got other players that they can recruit that nobody will be able to recruit, Rory mm. Gaffney, mm. Wiseman, Torre, the likes of those, Redmond, uh, even the keeper, for example, and being able to get Alexander in, I feel as though the maybe the comment of, this is expected. Well, they're a step ahead of the be game doing with him. This. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's a big promotion for him because if they hadn't have been promoted for Alexander, it's, well, how can you not get this team with this amount of money promoted? So there's a lot of pressure on them at the same time. And he's they... got the Football League experience, which some yeah. of the players won't have, but they yeah. do have a great professional a of... experience in their ranks, don't they? I mean, like you say, Rooney, Gaffney, even Linganzi to an extent has played in the Championship. You know, they've got some really, really useful players. I, I think that, yeah, I mean, a mid-table finish, like much like with Wigan, would be would be a great... I mean, just yeah. staying up for them next season would be sort of a, a brilliant achievement for them. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised... Sorry, I wouldn't okay. be surprised that if their recruitment isn't getting them ready for League One, probably not, not this one, but in the winter one, I wouldn't be surprised if they're readying themselves for League One. As we said, with National League, they were getting League Two players... Like and they they constantly get themselves ready for the next step mm. and like integrating them in. So I I think two seasons I'd give them. I mean, if they go up in one season, that's amazing, obviously. But yeah, yeah, I think they're more than ready. Does the fact that Salford beat Eastleigh in the penalty shootout with the pressure on prove that they are not bottle job because no. they won the penalty because they won the penalty no. shootout? But they could have no. No. no, not not for me. Just penalties are. They say penalties are a lottery, but they're a way to win the game. That's why the Germans are so good at penalties, because they're told from a young age it's not a lottery. It's a different mentality over there. It's not a lottery. It is your chance to win the football match. It's not a game of luck. You're in control. You need to stick the ball in the net. Oh, exactly. You need to save a shot and, and you win. So, I mean, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say they're, they, they're not bottle jobs, because, I mean, the way that they they sort of went on a pretty turgid run the last couple of weeks of the season when they did really have it... Not theirs to lose, but they did have it in their hands for a chance at going up automatically and winning the league. I don't know. I think it's harsh to really level any criticism at Salford. They got the job yeah, done. No, exactly. They've been yeah. promoted. Um, and they, 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 agree. They've, they've done what they set out to do at the start of the season. And hopefully we've done what we set out to do at the start of the season, which is to keep you informed across the EFL and below, of course, in the great city of Manchester. This is the EFL and Below show with me, Niall. I've got Ian and Aaron here from the Football Man Cave, and we'll be back for more for you after this. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The EFL and Below Show with Football Monk Cave. Welcome back to the EFL and Below Show, the final EFL and Below Show of the season. I can't believe it's nearly June, by the way. What a ridiculous! I am what a waiting ridiculous for July. Been. Are you? What, are you going on holiday anywhere nice? <laughs> no, just the season starts again. Like, oh, there's just nothing to not. do, is there? You got no. You don't fancy a little break, a couple of weeks off. You know, no, no football to worry about. No, no. I'm taking my my little son, on my 18 month old to uh, his first little football session on Sunday though. What, his that first ever game? First ever, that's called Little Kickers or something. And he's going, he just kicks the ball about and just gets used to play with a ball. So Has he been practising in the garden? We've been, we've had a little ball and yeah. <laughs> Is he let, better than you yet? <laughs> no, he's met me a couple of times though. I've let him, obviously. Of <laughs> that's the voice of Ian Foran from the Football Man Cave. We've also got Aaron Benson here with us as well. Hello Aaron. Hello, I'm actually looking forward to a bit of a month off by the way because um, I'll be playing golf. Oh, yeah, that's you like the, your golf, don't you? Yeah, that's the only time I don't really think about football, you I'm, know. What a season it's been for golf, by the way. Majors, I mean, the Masters obviously always at Augusta, but to see Tiger win, that was amazing. And then to have the USPGA at Bethpage Black, which is a brilliant course, really, isn't it? And then I think what's the, the Open Championship uh, Ra- this year? Royal Port Rush. Never, never been there. We've not had an Open there since 1951. Uh, Brooks Kepka is the uh, leading man at the moment. It looks untouchable. So. And where's the US Open this year? Is it Memorial? No, uh, Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach, which which is oh, a, iconic. Yeah, iconic. Big, big Leaks Golf Course. So it'll be interesting when we come back to see how many majors Brooks Kepka is on. Well, we all know what Tiger did at Pebble Beach a few years yeah, ago. Well, 2000. I say a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> More than a few years ago, 19 years ago. And it's probably been that long since uh, Rochdale last won a trophy. Well, that's me being a little bit harsh. Let's go back to some of the predictions we've had in the last few weeks and months on this podcast. Of course, Brian Barry Murphy is now the manager of Rochdale. We were talking about it when Keith Hill got sacked. So let's have a little listen at whether Keith Hill being sacked by Rochdale earlier on this season. We need to rewind to the 7th of March. Let's have a listen to whether we thought that was a good thing or a bad thing. Take a listen to this. They've probably over the past few years been punching it above the weight to the fact that over the past few months, has it just evened itself out a bit? Is this level that they're at? probably where they are Mm. and next season the question I think the owners have had to make is we either give him the chance till the end of the season and then next year do we think shall we keep him in or get rid of him and if you're thinking of that you'd be thinking well he's he's taken us up twice yeah I mean so he should probably have another chance at doing that I don't think we'll know the answer to this question until the middle of May when we find out whether Rochdale have survived or not. Keith Hill, as Aaron rightly says, is, is, is you know, he's he's the man, there's been, think, three promotions in Rochdale history and he's had two of them. Yeah. You know, the man deserves infinite respect, in my opinion. Um, so for, for an ownership to come in and then and then sack someone who the fans obviously respect, um, it is sad to see. It is really sad to see, but again, when you speak to Rochdale fans... It's time. A lot of them, that, that sentimental side of things, of yeah, it's achieved yeah. like our most successful period. Do you think it's got stale? Do you think it's got stagnant there? <laughs> Me personally, I do. I, I think change is good. 
Okay, so there we go. Maybe I was a little bit harsh in teeing that up as saying it's been uh, 19 years since Rochdale's won a trophy. I think it's a hell of a lot more than that. <laughs> Fair play to them, though. They did get promoted from League Two to League One a few seasons ago. And in my opinion, Keith Hill had done an unbelievable job to keep them in that division in League One for as long as he did on the budget that he had. So when they sacked him, understandably, as you've just heard there, I was a little bit like, well, is that a bad decision the proof was obviously in the pudding they re- replaced him with Brian Barry Murphy so I mean to be fair I mean the the, the powers that be at Rochdale made the right choice you'd say considering yeah. they were sliding down a slippery slope Ian and they managed to stay up again it was um, it was a good gamble weren't it really to be honest obviously where did they finish off 16th I think it was 15th 16th and it was so tight in League 1 though yeah. down there wasn't it this yeah. season and um, I think they only lost three matches those were against playoff teams they did exactly what they needed to do, uh, beat the teams in and around them, uh, got some clean sheets, and it looks it looks promising. Obviously, if he can carry that on to next season, that that's that's the question now. Like, obviously, he's had a a, a summer window. Obviously, they've not signed anybody yet. Um, I think they've got to just they're just sort of waiting a little bit. They've they've released a, a few players, and I think they're going to freshen up. But if they can start the way they finished. Um, it should be a half decent season for Rochdale fans, which is, which will be a nice little change of pace from what it. You use the word stale when describing Keith Hill's reign. Um, what do you think about that, Aaron? Because I mean, Ian was right ultimately. I mean, it, it obviously was a little bit stale. His his ideas were maybe running a bit thin on the ground. I mean, Rochdale do play half decent football, um, but it, it doesn't seem to get them the best results at times. No, but what we did see was the uh, defence improved when uh, Brian Barry Murphy came in. So um, the definite, the huge decision was 100% right. I think to bring someone in from within the football club was probably the right decision at the end. was definitely the right decision at the end of the day. He knew the squad. He knew the positives. He knew the negatives. When in, in the sense that mm. somebody coming in from outside the football club wouldn't have known. Brian Murphy, Brian Barry Murphy knew the squad immediately to be able to, to be able to work with them, despite not having that managerial experience that perhaps uh, Paul Hurst would have had for example. So, um, obviously, we mentioned Ian Everett as well, didn't we? So, I definitely feel that decision, the right decision was made there. As for um, Keith Hill, yeah, it probably had got stale. And you mentioned, Ian, that uh, the Rochdale fans were uh, were ready to get rid of him. The gamble were decent, but it's a case of we need to see him over a full season now. Is he an impact player? Is he like... Is he, uh, impact player, sorry. Impact manager. Has he just come in saved them from relegation, but can he implement it over a pre-season now and kick on? Obviously, realistically, you can't really see Rochdale getting out of League One, mm. personally. But I can see him potentially teetering on the edge of the playoffs. Um, may- maybe not getting in the playoffs, but in and around the area. You know, sort of giving the fans a, a little bit of summit, but Brian Barry Murphy is a lot to prove still. He's got a little bit of a reputation now, and he's got to continue that on. I think there's a lot of reliance in Rochdale around A, Ian Henderson, first of all. The goals he scored have probably yeah, kept them afloat, really. Definitely. That has to be either A, spread about, or other players get to his level. I think Callum Camps as well has probably kept the uh, kept it going as well in that midfield area. But we saw uh, Bunny came in, didn't he, into the club. That looked, at the end of the day, like a, the best move, I would say. But they've got some good players in Rochdale, haven't they, really? There's mm. Aaron Wilbur who plays. So there's a lot of good football league experience in and around Rochdale. So um, I definitely feel as though there's something to build. Obviously, BBM, young managers, like a type of low, Ryan low type of manager, isn't he really, coming in from within the club. But um, I, I think maybe 
playoffs could be a bit too far. Well, but I think mid-table could be that's yeah. in clusters an improvement for them. But for them to get out of League One, yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. Well, let's just put it this way. They've never, ever been out of League One. They've no. only ever played in League Two or League One in their entire existence as a football club. So to get to the Championship would be certainly uncharted waters for Brian Barry Murphy. If you're a Rochdale fan, though, Ian, are you sick to the back teeth of staying up by the skin of your teeth every yeah, year? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, imagine... I mean, it sounds awful, but just imagine being mid-table and being comfortable. It'd be like a season off for a I mean, would you? I mean, that's what we were saying before. We'd, we'd, we'd rather uh, be in League Two and get promoted and be fighting at the top end of the table than scrapping it out in a division above yeah. with realistically no chance of making it to the championship you know what i mean it's it's one of those things where as a supporter you're probably kind of tearing your hair out thinking oh can we not just be competitive for yeah. once and i say rochdale like a club that are gonna invest i mean the solvent they're they're quite happy to sort of spin the spin the plates basically as long as they're in league one i think i think they'll be happy a lot of civil like premiership teams i mean they're you see even like West Ham Wolves and stuff like that. As long as they're in Premier League, they're happy. Mm. And it's it's as simple as that. So I, 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 feel, I do feel like, I think, if they have a good start, they'll upwards of mid-table for me. But, uh, yeah, I just can never see them. I, I don't know if it's a mindset thing. I don't think it's because you're just used to Rochdale being down there. But I can't see them being out of League One I anytime st- soon. Yeah, I still um, would... Definitely, I still definitely hope that Brian Barry Murphy gets a good start and has a good season. I think it'd be a real shame if Rochdale were to be struggling like they were this season under Hill, you know, conceding all the goals, conceding, you know, five, six a game as it got to by the end of the reign of Keith Hill down at the bottom. I think that'd be a real shame. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't think it will happen because the evidence at the end of uh, this season under Brian Barry Murphy was that Rochdale were a much more solid team, uh, much more defensively solid team at the back. But I definitely feel as though they need to ride that way right at the start. Obviously, we, every team wants investment. But from what I've heard, what I've been reading and what we've said on here, urgent inve- investment will be needed in some plays for Rochdale. Partly for my reason is there's just too much of a reliance on Henderson. Mm. Yeah, where are the goals going to come from? I mean, yeah. that's the huge question, isn't it? Well, hopefully Brian Barry Murphy can lead Rochdale to a higher place finish next season. He's certainly done a good job in the short spell we had at the end of this season, keeping them in League One. And like we say, Ian Henderson, what a key man he is for them. They need to find some uh, other additions who can help find them a few goals next season to keep them on their way heading up the table rather than looking over their shoulders. Last two clubs we're going to focus on. Bolton Wanderers and Stockport County. Let's go with Bolton to start with because I think we want to save the nice joyous end of Stockport yes. County for the end of the show and of course the end of the season's podcasts. Bolton Wanderers, wow, I don't think we did a podcast without talking about them at least once or twice in, in every episode. Yeah. It's been a saga. It's been a real and saga to say the least. Continuing, isn't it? It's, it's ridiculous. It's like Coronation Street. That was my exact words, wasn't was it? Was it your exact words? It was my exact yeah. words on the very first That's... podcast. It's like Coronation oh, Street. We'll have to go back. Hang on, let's 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 rewind into the archives and see if we can find it. They should have their own storyline on Corrie, shouldn't they, Bolton? <laughs> <laughs> they should have something. <laughs> sort of soap opera. <laughs> You definitely said it. There we go. You definitely said it. I remember you saying it. We've managed to find it as well. Um, Coronation Street. Um, Talk about Coronation Street. It was a bit of a cameo appearance for Mr. Bassini, who came in, all guns are blazing, wore the shirt on television. Here's my bank account. Here's a million pounds in my bank account. 
he was basically like he was trying to fit his nadgers into a wheelbarrow and wheel him around. <laughs> this is how this is how big a guy I am, basically. What a load of hot air. I said it on the podcast time and time again. Bassini is not the man you want in charge of your football club. He led Watford down a really, really dangerous path. He's been bankrupted twice. He was banned of being the owner of an EFL club for three years or being involved with an EFL club for three years. I mean, why was this man even entertained as a possible new owner of that football club. Did Anderson dislike being the owner of Bolton that badly that he wanted to sell it to Bassini? I couldn't believe it when I saw it, and it's no shock to me that he came in and he was out again within the space of a month. No, he didn't have the money, did he? He said, <laughs> 48 hours proof of funds on the table, and he, uh, he'd already done a runner, which is... And he was uh, still going around saying that he had the money when he didn't. Yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember listening to it, and he's like, have you got the money? And he's skirting around, and he was going back... But have you got the money? Is like, yeah, but um, blah, 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 blah. Like, well, you've obviously not, otherwise you'd go, yeah, I've got it, bump, there you are, and that's it. It's like when you go into school when you're a six-year-old or a seven-year-old and you go, oh, my dad owns ten gold bars in a safe. <laughs> it's like, no, you, no, he doesn't, mate. Give no, it to Jay Cartwright yeah, in school. Exactly. Absolutely, in between, in between as Jay. I mean, we can laugh about it now, but uh, the situation is far from over for Bolton Wanderers and their yeah. supporters. Yeah. It's got serious, hasn't it, really? I mean, you're thinking about people having to use food banks and stuff like that and, and donations and things like that. I mean, who'd ever think we would get to that situation at a football club where you know people are having to donate from other clubs to keep them running, to keep the families, the workers, the people who work in the office, not just the players. They've had to use food banks and things like that. It is a crisis. Yeah. It really is a terrible situation. Yeah, when it just can't think it gets any worse. It gets worse, doesn't it? Mm. I feel like now I want to say they're at the bottom of the barrel. It can't get worse, but it probably can. They've There'll broken through the bottom of the barrel. Well, yeah. the only the only thing now is probably liquidation, isn't it, really? They've done the administration. If there's a club next season, they're going to start off on minus 12 points in League One, which is, in a sense, as far as I'm aware, that's probably the worst situ- position Bolton Wanderers have been in for many, many years. It's very sad to see one of England, England's most historic football clubs mm. with the success they had in Europe 10, 15 years ago in this position now. I feel very sorry for the players. Some of them were, the str- were striking at the end of last season. Mm. There was negative comments made on social media by the players but um, yeah it's just a sad situation I feel really sorry for the fans for Phil Parkinson he's not gone by the way talk about loyalty you know he's still there and I really don't see a way out for Bolton really that they're in at the moment with the with the idea that Lawrence Bassini could have bought Bolton Wanderers you know it, in my opinion that goes down the line of why the EFL even entertained Bassini buying the club so you need, they need to be a look at regulations there why have they got to a position where they can let Lawrence Bassini buy the football club? But that's a different matter in itself. As for the position with Bolton, uh, Ken Anderson obviously hasn't ran the club properly. But, you know, who's the real loser? The real loser mm. are the fans, really, because yeah. the players will go. Parkinson will go. They will go to new clubs, manage or play at new clubs. But the fans, they're not going to suddenly find another club to support. Exactly. And, and I really went off on one, on one of the podcasts asking why the Bolton Wanderers Supporters Trust weren't doing anything about it. Now they are. 
but I fear that it's too little too late. I mean, I was calling for this weeks before anything actually happened. So, but it's good to see them. I mean, you don't want to disrespect them too much. Don't want to stick the boot in, but you know, they're doing something, which is good. Um, but they still owe more than a million pounds to HMRC Bolton Wanderers. They are in administration. There's no new court date that's been set for them to appear in front of the high court judges to figure out whether they will have a, a football club or not, at least as far as I'm aware at the time of recording this podcast. Um, uh, you know, a takeover for Bass- from Bassini collapsed. I mean, the problem is, is you don't know where to look. The situation gets desperate, and you mean you're thinking, what actually does come next? Because Anderson doesn't want to be there, no. and who wants to? Who's going to come in and buy the club? Because we've heard that whoever wants to come in and buy the club has to show twenty five million pounds proof of funds. I mean, who's going to do that? Who's going to take over a football club in freefall? I mean, it's 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 the likes of Bassini that you're attracting before this happens. I mean, what about after Bassini? Life yeah. after Bassini? If he was bad enough, I mean. What's round the corner for Bolton? Uh, I read on one of the Bolton forums only today that there's supposedly, obviously, it's always reports and rumours, that there's three parties interested. And one of the names was Bassini still. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand how this guy is still being linked with with this club. It is unbelievable. Um, it is. It's just it's just a sad state of, of, of affairs. Like, Obviously, you know what the the money is. It's twenty five billion. You've got to put that up. So <laughs> twenty five million. Twenty five billion would be a hell of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold as my it's, man flew. It's been a long season. It's been a long season. <laughs> but um, it is. You're just hoping that somebody comes in again. Same as Berry. You're in pre season. Like for now, you should be like if you're a Bolton's case, putting away to getting back into the championship. And they're stuck in limbo. They're like. Mm. We don't know what to do. By the time all this is sorted out, your season's starting and you're already starting 12 points behind. You're going to be starting even further behind because you've not had a pre-season, you've got no new players in, you've got absolutely nothing. You're probably at the bare bones of a squad and you're probably looking, in effect, probably more minus 20 points, you know what I mean, with hypothetically. Mm. Like, if they got off like to a bad start, it'd be disastrous next season. But we've seen it before with Leeds. They had minus 12 and they, they would have got automatic promotion. I think they might have had a minus 10 actually yeah. when they were in League One. What would it have been for the minus 10? They would have been automatically promoted from League One. So we've seen it done. We've seen it done. But I mean, for me, Bolton, I can only see one way and that's that's downwards, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, going back to the idea of um, pre-season and how long can Bolton survive for, it's got to be the same situation with Berry. Fixtures are released on the 20th of June. There has to be a new order before the 20th of June. Otherwise, DFL aren't going to entertain the idea of a, fo- of a football club after the fixtures have been released, surely. So, from where I'm standing, from where, where I was last night, the Berry Fans Forum, the situation's got to be very similar. The court don't want to let this situation drag. They don't want to keep kicking the can down the road or, you know, keep avoiding the problem. Mm. They want to deal with the problem. And at the end of the day, HMRC, the High Court, they have no loyalty towards Bolton Wanderers. At no. the end of the day, the liquidators don't have any loyalty towards Bolton Wanderers. The only people who do are the fans. You're saying it's probably too late for them to launch to launch a bid to buy it. It's never too late, but I no, just think in terms of £25 million, pounds, when the Portsmouth supporters did it, they raised £2.5 million because that's what the club was available for. Now, we're figuring out that there's a hell of a lot more legacy debt there than we thought. £25 million is far too much for many football clubs. I'm talking yeah. huge football clubs. How are supporters going to raise £25 million quid? Pompey fans, 2,500 of them, raised about 2.5 million quid between them. Now, 
Bolton are not going to raise 25 million quid a fans group. It's just not going to happen. No, I think with regards to what I've just said before, the Barry Bolton situation, that what we're looking at now, I don't, Bolton, you're saying, aren't you, in the high court? Well, what happens there then? Because, you know, the, I think the from the position that I understand with what the EFL have said, they don't want to be in a situation, as I've just repeated, where fixtures are released, there might not be a club. Bolton and Berry, they're fixtures, and suddenly they say we're going to have to give up, basically. Yeah, it would be a real disaster for the EFL. And with Sean Harvey outgoing, I think he was doing some statements today about his, his time at the EFL, saying that it was a success. Try to tell the supporters of Bolton Wanderers, Portsmouth, Charlton, Leeds United. Try tell, I mean, I could list another 10 clubs. Try telling them that your tenure has been a success. Some gumption to stand there and say that, you know, he's enjoyed the time and he's left the EFL in a better better situation. Maybe financially he has, but talking of finances, he's crippled a hell of a lot of other clubs and supporters. And I'm not sad to see him go. Let's just say that. Anyway, moving on now to a club that are hoping to be in the EFL in the next season or so. That's Stockport County. We're going to round off our final EFL and Below Show podcast of the season, looking at the Hatters. What an unbelievable job Jim Gannon has done this season. What a great victory it's been this season for the supporters who have stuck through that club through thick and thin. They've got their just rewards. They're promoted to the National League and it's been a long time coming in. Yeah, it has. Honestly, like last season was probably near enough the perfect season for Stockport. Obviously, they had that bit of a wobble at the end of the season and they were very fortunate. Charlie slipped up on, on Bank Holiday Monday. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, they could have been in playoffs and... God knows what what would have happened there, but they're in that National League um, and a club like Stockport should be in that National League. Mm, um, at minimum. Yeah, and again, it's exactly the same as, as when Salford go in. You just go in and, and try and consolidate. They've had so long down in that National League North that like it's like a breath of fresh air for them. Obviously, they're riding a massive wave. I, I can't remember off the top of my head how many games they went unbeaten, but I know it was one hell of a run. And Jim Gannon, I think, has retained the majority of his players. Mm. So leading up international league, that they can they can really go places. I think he has lost a couple of players though to league clubs. I think Warburton's gone to Northampton Town. So you know he's he has lost a couple of players, Jim Gannon. But I mean, with being in the national league, you're going to need a little bit more funding to try and attract those better players. Definitely, Phil going to Stockport's a big pull to go to their club. I think that's what Gannon has to his advantage. He's selling a team similar to Salford, really. Big club, definitely uh, opportunities for them to grow. They're not a team, for example, a Maidenhead, a Bromley, a Dover, or Aldershot, who are going to stagnate in that national in the National League. National League North, they want to go places, Stockport, and they want to be back in the Football League. So if you're a player potentially dropping down a league, knowing you're going to get more game time, but mm. playing at Stockport, City, at Stockport County then you know that's definitely going to be a big pull to wanting to go there. So I don't think it's a hard sell to get people to come play for Stockport, but I feel as though they are battling as well as riding on the wave of expectation. And there's a lot of teams in the National League that are being bankrolled quite heavily. I mean, you look at the likes of AFC Fylde, who in terms of stature are nowhere near as big a club as Stockport, but they're certainly probably double the amount of money in the bank at least. So, you know, there are some serious competitors in that league. I think for them to... To want to be promoted at the first attempt is obviously going to be a goal for the supporters, but 
sometimes you've got to be realistic and think, oh, okay, we don't want to be back down where we were for the last few years. I definitely uh, agree with you there. I think there's definitely going to be like a group of fans, realism fans and a group of expecting fans, thinking they're going to be in the position that they were 2008, 2009 type of thing, which probably is not going to happen in the short term. I think for Stockport, patience is going to be the key now. Definitely what you said, relief. But the belief that, you know, they can get better and they can in the long term the sky's the limit they can get back into the football league do i think that it will be done in the next 12 months i'll probably say that's doubtful due to the competition and you've got the historic team of stockport but then you've got the the bank rollers of fc fouled as well so in Mm. sort of the national league even in the non-league now there's that sort of that battle really who's going to come out strongest is it the teams with the history or the teams with the the new (laughs) money ian what do you reckon uh yeah i think I think they can attract players with a they have like a six seven thousand fan base yeah. near enough every match, mm. which is huge. A lot of people want what to play in front of that. There's a lot of people in League One that don't get that sort of exactly. Crowd. So mm. I think that'll be a, a big plus. But I feel, yeah, I feel like they'll consolidate, possibly getting the playoffs if they get the right recruitment. But I can't see them going up until maybe two years or so. I'd, I'd give, I'd always give teams two years. I'd love to see him go straight back up, double bounce, but mm. yeah, I think I think the top end of of mid table playoffs will be an overachievement. I think this year for for Stockport, and I hope to see it. Well, that's it then. That concludes another season in the EFL in Greater Manchester. We've got some exciting news, haven't we? Very exciting news. Very exciting news. Next season, we won't just be talking about Greater Manchester. We won't just be talking about the clubs within this great city. We'll be doing that, but we'll also be talking about the EFL as a whole. So we'll be focusing on all of the big clubs up and down the three divisions, Championship, League One, League Two, an exciting new venture next season under a new moniker, the Sport Social. So keep yourself subscribed. We'll be dropping into your inbox at some point before the start of the new season. But before I leave you uh, for the summer, and I hope you have a great summer, by the way, guys, it's National Biscuit Day today. Yes. And anyone who's listening will know the very first podcast... We've had this running joke about biscuits ever since that first podcast. So before we leave, I want to ask you one thing. Who's top of your Premier League of biscuits? Oh, now mine is the Foxes. I, I can't even I know. know what they are, but they're like about three biscuits in one. <laughs> they're like a hobnob, say. Oh, a really? cookie, and... Um... they got cream in the middle as well. No, 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 no. I, I can't think of the name, but I like three biscuits in one, and they're absolute done. You don't get about seven in your packet, but uh, I, I'm torn. Next level. At the moment, my favourite biscuit is those round, uh, shortcake rings, but they've got like a thick layer of chocolate on the outside. Yeah. They're unbelievable. That's mine, so I'm going with that. Aaron, you're the biscuit connoisseur here. Come on, sir. What are you going for? Um, despite being a connoisseur, as you put it, I just like a McVitie's chocolate biscuit has to be milk chocolate. I don't eat any dark chocolate rubbish. And I don't like Jaffa Cakes. What a way to end the show. Aaron doesn't like Jaffa Cakes. Ian's got some sort of concoction combination of biscuits. Uh, anyway, thanks to Ian Foran from the Football Man Cave. Thanks to Aaron Benson from the Football Man Cave. Thank you, now. We've been thanks, talking Ian. About, we've been talking about biscuits for so long, we've ran out of music as well. I know. I've been Narmacorn. Thank you very much for listening to the EFL and Below show this season. Thanks to everyone who's listened to whether it's been one episode or all of the episodes. We greatly appreciate your time. Don't forget, footballmancave.com is the place to go 
to check out all of your local Greater Manchester football news, and that does cover the EFL and below, and even the Premier League as well. So if you're interested and in women's football and next women's season, football. brilliant! Oh, it's all it's all looking up. It's, it's brilliant. Going. It's fantastic. Don't forget to stay subscribed because we will be dropping back into your inbox for next season, albeit talking about the EFL as a whole rather than just the teams in Greater Manchester. So I'm looking forward to it. I've been Nar McCall. My thanks to Aaron Benson. My thanks to Ian Foran. My thanks to you as well. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. It'll be at the Sports Social moving forward. So we'll see you next season. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.